With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Drink it in, man. Back, pressure by. Gonna get hit. Gonna go down. Sack back outside the 50-yard line. Ziggy did it. Drink it in, man. He's got a man wide open. Golden at the 10. Golden at the 5. Golden to the house. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. There it is. Been looking for that all night. Gordon Touchdown, Detroit Lions. Detroit Kool-Aid, what is going on everybody? We are back and I'm here with Grifka. Grifka, we're coming off a big W. We got lots more to talk about on the Kool-Aid cast. What's going on, man? Hey, same old, same old, just living the dream. But it's not same old, same old Grifka because today we are recording Wednesday night and our Lions this morning. Bobby Quinn, I have been calling it, saying this guy's got to make a deal, and he's got to make a deal for an impact or a big name, preferably a defensive guy for this team. Word comes out this morning, Bobby Quinn trading for Snacks Harrison, big defensive tackle, run-stuffing guy, seems to be to me exactly what we need. I mean, what would you think when you heard this, and then what would you think when you heard we only gave up a fifth rounder? You had to love it. Oh, one. I first heard it, I was pretty surprised because it seems like the Lions just don't make trades like this in the middle of the season. So I was, like, pretty surprised. And then uh, I went and looked up to see exactly what they gave up, hoping it would be, you know, nothing, like, too overpriced. You know, I knew Snacks was a good player, good uh, good run stuffer, was all pro a couple years ago. Um, probably one of the one of the better, if not the best, defender on the Giants. Um, so I was, like, uh, I was pretty happy about the trade. Then I saw they only gave a fifth-round pick. It's the one they got for the Lakin Tomlinson trade, you know, the one from the uh, 49ers. So I was even happy about You're... that. We only gave a fifth-round pick for him. So I was uh, I was pretty ecstatic that that happened. Put a big ring, run stuffer in the middle. I was pretty happy. Yeah, man. Uh, the cool part was so I was, like, watching Good Morning Football while I'm, uh, you know, working on some things this morning. And as they cue to break, they're like, somebody from our New York Giants, and I say our New York Giants just because they live there. Come on. And they're like um, – they're like a big name is going somewhere else, and I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. You know, I'm thinking, did they really get aggressive and I trade in a big star, or is it some nobody? And say, so said, you know this guy's name, and I'm, so I'm going through who they might be, and all of a sudden they go, and he's heading to the Detroit Lions. And it's just like one of those moments where you're just kind of like, like you said, you really didn't expect it, kind of off the radar. It wasn't really many rumblings in regards to that kind of trade. Um, and, uh, bam, there it was like, I was pretty happy. I mean, here's a couple things from my end. So 
I was going through Twitter and I guess like Jeff Risden, who again, this guy, like he's always got some good takes and, and good info with a uh, lion's wire over there. I guess like he had put out an article, I want to say yesterday or recently. And he had like my four or five trade options and one that he really wanted or whatever. And he wanted snacks Harrison. So that's incredible. They called that out and then it happened like a day or two later. So that's pretty cool. But uh, like for me, I mean, the part I love the most about it is not only that the Lions are doing something they normally don't do, but like I feel like they keep building a team in the mint in the midst of trying to win right now, and they addressed an exact weakness. You know what I mean? Like they didn't go out and get a flashy receiver. They didn't um, trade Amir Abdullah and get a bag of peanuts back. Like they said, we're we're having trouble stopping the run. You know. We don't have enough, like, remember big nasties or what do we call them, uh, dogs on this team, like people that are just football players that make plays. And I feel like they went out and got one. My only um, thing when I first heard it was, like, DT for me is not a pos- like an elite position. You've heard me talk about it, defensive ends, corners, you know, the skill guys that really make plays, score touchdowns for you are, are the most important. And DTs I always like to sort of get by without – a big salary or without kind of an aging player. But like the more I thought about it and the more I heard today, it was just kind of like, man, this guy's kind of just getting to 30, which is a little bit old. Um, we're going to go, let, let's give the people his contract right now. Griffka. So four and a half million this year, seven next year. And then after 2019, when I read up on it a little bit more is when you can either get in or get out. And uh, <laughs> 2020 is kind of like an option. You can pick it up if you want, or you cannot. I mean, that jumps up to 9.2 mills so i mean we got him basically for two years he fits a direct need he's kind of a nasty football player i mean we could go down all the stats where he's like second in rush um defense this year he's always been in the top you know whatever he's a top seven i think it was defensive tackle this year in regards to pro football focus and whatnot so i know i threw a lot in there but man uh, he's got a lot he's bringing to the table and again Another reason I love it is the defensive tackle. It's not like he needs a bunch of weeks to get up to speed. I mean, I would love to see him in the lineup this week, tell him what gap to get in and, and make some plays. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping it's not like one of those things he needs like a week to transition. You know, I know I read, uh, was it, uh, Pete Carroll was like, you know, he can take his time getting to Detroit. So, obviously, Pete Carroll knows how good he is. But, uh like you said, it's just learning the scheme, learning the learning the gaps. It's just I don't know if uh, if he's there. Hopefully, you know it doesn't take him that long to get up to speed. Was that I read that uh, against Atlanta, he only had roughly 30 snaps during the game. But once again, I don't know exactly where they were at the score. I didn't obviously I didn't watch the Atlanta New York Giants game to know what the score was to see if they actually if the Giants were down. You know, at some point where they need to bring in a pass rusher because that's not his job. He's not, he's not a pass rusher. I mean, he'll push the pocket up the middle a little bit, but he's not going to uh, be the guy that he's not a Warren Sapp that's going to be, you know, in there, you know, making a whole bunch of sacks and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, getting this guy is huge, and like you said, having him for a couple more years, considering what uh, Sylvester Williams was only one year deal, and what Ricky Ricky Jean is, he was only one year deal as well. So that uh, it does fill a big need, especially this year and in the future. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So uh, super excited. It's always fun to kind of get this kind of news. Trades, 
the draft, you know what I mean? There's always a kind of most fun when your team's bringing in new talent or, or kind of turning over that roster. But uh, it's exciting to see, you know, we'll obviously see how he does, but I think it's going to be an impactful guy, not a guy you might um, notice week to week in regards to splash plays. But, I mean, as long as we're not getting gashed in the run game and, you know, people aren't able to just cruise up the middle, you know, on third and shorts. I think he's going to be well worth every penny. So super excited to have Snacks in Detroit. I mean, uh, he's going to fit right in, I think, with the uh, Detroit City and just everything we're bringing to the table. And, man, if he can help us get through, we got a big five-game gauntlet coming up. So if he can help with that, that's going to be huge. So I'm sure we'll talk about it more either on this show or leading into the game this week or once he gets on the field. But uh, super excited to see that. So, Grifka, we, we made a trade this morning. I mean, as we before we dive into this great dub that we had in Miami, trade deadline, do you see uh, Tate going anywhere? I sure hope not. I mean, I, I still think they need him. I, I know Galloway's having a good year, and uh, Marvin Jones is Marvin Jones, but they still really don't have, you know, a tight end and to really, you know, catch the ball. I know we can talk about this in the in – the, uh, in the coverage of the game, but I still believe they need Golden Tate on this team for them to be successful this year. And obviously with this trade, they're looking to make some hay this year. I think they can actually maybe do some damage. They just need to shore up that run defense. So uh, I can't see them uh, trading Golden Tate. Now, once, you know, everybody has their price, you know, I mean, obviously they have to get handed, you know, uh, you know, King's ransom, you know, Golden Tate's going to be out the door, but I don't think, anybody's going to sign, you know, trade for him if they don't think they can re-sign him, if they're going to give up a whole lot for him. So I can't see something like a fifth-round pick going for Golden Tate. So uh, I, I hope he stays in, in the fold here. Yeah, see, I'm torn on it because, you know, I I think they're heading in that new direction with Marvin Kenny and, and some other new pieces. I think that, you know, he's still a good player, but, you know, if you're not going to keep him around, it's always better to get something than just have him or let him walk. So, I'm I'm leaning more like man if they could either get something or if they could um, you know be aggressive that'd be great. Um, the the hard part for me is that you know if we win this game against Seattle, you know I think the trade deadline's like that next week, and you really don't want to be dealing pieces when you're really starting to sort of get rolling and you've got some you know playoff aspirations things like that. So I, that's why I see them staying around is just they don't want to deal a piece like him and then not be able to win some of these close games or road games that'll be coming up um, without that extra weapon out there. So I don't see him going anywhere, but like I say, I would, I'd sort of love to get a draft, some draft capital or before Dallas picked up Amari Cooper. I mean, that would have been a nice destination for him on both sides. If he could have made a deal with good old Jarrah Jones, I'm sure he'd have given us a, uh, a first and a second or something stupid like he did back for Roy Boy. Uh, who knows what that guy's going to do. So I, I think Tate sticks around, but like I say, I'm more on the side of uh, dealing him or like I'm excited to see maybe what they put in that area once they do kind of let him go uh, along his way. But if he stays, just make plays this year. That's all we want. Um, I know last week we talked about Patrick Peterson, but again, we're recording here on Wednesday. <clears throat> word just came out that uh, – He's, uh, he's definitely staying in Arizona is what the word is. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, he had a sit down with the owner and all that good stuff. So I don't, I don't know why that would change things. I mean, he should have stuck to his guns and tried to get out of town and he would have been a great target. But I think this is our big move. I don't really see anything else happening for the Lions. You see him making any more moves here or there? No, I mean, 
if what well, all they do, it's going to be kind of maybe, you know, no big moves, maybe to like short, maybe a little bit on that defensive backfield a little more just for depth, depending on, you know, uh, you know, Quandre's, Quandre's hand, you know, I don't know how well, uh, Nevin Lawson, you know, he's very hit or miss, you know, they're obviously T state going a little slower than what they like. So if they do anything, it's going to be kind of like one of those Deshaun shed moves where they just bring in somebody to do some spot duty and stuff like that. I can't see them spending a whole lot of money on, uh, or a whole lot of money, a whole lot of picks on big names. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd like it if they got Patrick Peterson, but I just don't see it happening. Yeah, no, definitely not. I mean, uh, you know, I can't, I, I think the NFL is shaking it up a lot more with trades. I think we will see a lot of movement at the deadline, which we're not used to, but you know, I think this was the Lions move. I'm, I'm glad they pulled it and, uh, you know, keep their core together and see what we can do these next handful of games. So Grifka, you kind of hit on it a little bit right there where our injuries are at and stuff. I mean, as we come into Wednesday here, we've got, uh, we got feel with a DNP. I mean, kind of weird to come off a bye week and have this random knee injury and not be practicing at all and be out of games and stuff like that. Um, we got Jared Davis with a, did not practice some type of calf injury. We hope he's okay. Cause he's been really picking it up and playing some great football. And we got your boy Grifka Ziggy limited. Uh, you know, I'm sure you're looking forward to him playing Sunday. So any of those, uh, and you got anything else on injuries or you got any words on, on those main three that we got? No, I mean, Theo, you know, did not practice, you know, calf, you know, he's getting, they can't, they came off by a couple weeks ago, but still. Theo's you know, got the knee, gonna, Rifka. Theo with the knee. Yeah, and, and Davis with the calf, but yeah. let's, uh, it's the time we, you know, they just came off the bye, but it's a, you know, getting to the meteor season where every team's going to have nicks and dings and guys aren't going to be practicing, so I'm not too worried about it. You know, as for Ziggy, well, once again, it would be nice to have him out there, um, but, uh, who knows? I guess we'll wait and see what uh, if he can play this week, you know, or maybe his paycheck's too heavy in his back pocket and he can't stand up. <laughs> you don't. You don't think that people want us to argue about him again for another half hour and me yell at you? <laughs> no, I mean it becomes it becomes redundant. People are just going to tune out after a while because <laughs> we both know how we feel him. <laughs> well, you know, you you got a man crush on Ziggy, and I think he's just a he's a telephone pole that <laughs> you know is just there. Oh man, well well. We'll just tell the people to stay tuned because when and if and he gets out there and makes some sacks, I'm sure you'll be hearing from me on, here on the podcast about it. Yeah, but, his uh, sacks. Yeah, he'll he'll be getting the grocery sacks for snacks. That's what he'll be doing. He'll be like, here you go, snacks. Here's here's your here's your Doritos and here's your fudge rounds and yeah, that's what he'll be doing. That's the only sacks he'll be grabbing. <laughs> All right, well we'll see. That's a that's a TBD on uh, when and if he'll get out there. But I think he can only help the team. Here, here's my real quick take on Theo. Like Theo again was my uh, one of my favorite lions the last few years. Dynamic in the past game, fun to watch. You know always kind of making some splash plays, get us over the top in some of those comebacks that we had. But I got to say, I was sort of happy to see that big O next to his name uh, and out because all I knew was that was going to be more carry-on, and that's what they did. They got him the football, which we'll talk about. So that was actually – if he doesn't play, it's almost like a blessing in disguise because they can't spread it out as much in the run game. They have to give the ball to 33, so that's pretty good. And then, like you say, I mean, we've talked a lot about Jared Davis on this podcast. He's really important, and I think he's showing growth and uh, just really helping the team. So hopefully um, still pretty good across the board on injuries. Uh, I thought TJ came back and played really well. So uh, winning in the NFL 
it comes down to a lot of things, but injuries are really important, and we've always been snake bit. And I think, knock on wood, this year we've been pretty, pretty clean. And if we can keep it that way, you know, that's where a lot of teams win or get in the playoffs, or the, are the teams that stay healthy. So, hopefully, those injuries uh, stay good. So, Grifka, are you ready to talk about us going down to Miami and whooping that tail, just like I said we would last Sunday? Yeah, you predicted that, man. Uh... Obviously, the heat didn't get to him as much as I thought it would. Uh, I'd have to give a big props to the uh, the three stars or whatever, if you're talking hockey style, three stars to the guys who spent the whole game holding up those tarps underneath the, over, over the team on the sideline because that is the greatest shoulder workout of all time. They probably couldn't wash their hair the next morning. And, I mean, that's, uh, I'd have to give those guys big, big ups for being able to do that for the whole game, holding up those uh, – those tarps or banners or whatever they were to keep the team when they were on the uh, sideline in the shade. So cool. big props to those guys. So before we jump into the game, since you brought it up, you know, these equipment guys holding this, uh, looks like they went to Home Depot like on Wednesday and just got some PVC pipe and the same. Like, here's what I don't get. Like, okay, so you can build your own shade, but you can't have like, stands on it like I, I don't get why they had to hold it i mean if they're gonna let you build whatever you want we couldn't we couldn't make uh, get four extra pipes that just went to the ground with a little weight like i i was confused by that where they like let you do whatever you want but there's like a rule maybe that it can't be stationed in the ground so you must have human beings hold this up because i thought yeah, it, it must looked, be more of a looked weird it must be more of a safety thing you know if you, you're you're setting a pole in the ground even if it's pvc i mean it's still one of those things that's a, it's more of a stable object than a person, you know, getting, you know, cut down by a group of people that are running to the sideline to make a tackle or something like that. You know, that's all I can figure. It's more of a safety issue that way. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. But I, I think that, you know, if they could, I mean, the guys could sit next to these and, and it could still be movable. But I did think it was funny that they had to hold it up. But it's not something I haven't seen in the NFL before. I felt like I've seen that by other teams where they kind of create their own shade or they do different things. I didn't think that we're reinventing the wheel there, coming up with, you know, the next light bulb. I thought I had seen it before. It's just like you said. And I'm sure there wasn't three four guys the whole game. I'm sure they had some rotation going on there. But, hey, you held your arms up in the air for a while. You know, good job. But I, I just think it's a little proactive from the coaches, which is nice to see. And if it made a difference, I heard some of the players say it did, great. But – to me, it was just kind of a funny side piece to the game. But, I mean, I know your number one concern was this heat, which, again, I felt like our Lions showed not only that that early conditioning was good, but to me, I, I just never noticed it once during the game. I felt like they fought hard from top to, top to bottom, and I never saw any type of fatigue or anything on my end. So. Yeah, 120 degrees in the sun is what they showed, you know, in the pregame. So, uh, you know, having that shade on the sideline, it's, uh, you, you, you know, I've watched the games where like teams will wilt in that heat, where uh, the uh, home team does have the shade on their side. So uh, yeah, it was uh, nice to see that 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 did not happen. Yeah, yeah, it was that was good. So so let's talk a little bit generally about the game. Like I felt like the Lions came out um, really well. I felt like they, uh, I want to say it was their first drive. They went down and scored a touchdown. Then they got. Um, they got on defense and got, I think it was a couple stops before the Dolphins got any type of points or got going. Um, you know, I thought, uh, you know, we got to talk about him here in the beginning. Big Mike Roberts just comes out the woodwork. I haven't seen him in four weeks or whatever it's been. This guy runs a great route. 
uh, Stafford just throws an absolutely – I mean, it wasn't even a hard – it was like kind of a low, high-low route with a guy in front and a guy in the back, and Stafford just picked the deep guy and put it right on him for a touchdown. So I thought that was great to see a guy that's been hurt come right out and do what we talked about, which is this guy scores touchdowns. So I thought that was big right off the get-go. Yeah, I mean, uh, hey, I told you, you know, Mike Roberts, and you know, <laughs> you he's he's gonna have five touchdowns. He's already over halfway there with this three. No, 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 so Griffka, we we got on tape. You had him at like seven, eight, or more. I want to say, but I've, I said five. You were like, you were like, oh, he's an elite status, like no, you know, no, awesome no, for you, a tight end of seven or eight. And I'm just like, uh, no, he'll have five. No, you didn't. You know, you I said say, five. You didn't say five. I I think we need. Yeah, I said five. We you need to go back and check. Okay, it. let's check the tape because I you were definitely mumbled something about seven or eight, and I said, whoa, that's like an all no, pro. You were the one all talking about seven or eight, and I said, no, he'll have five. <sighs> so anyway, yeah, still ooh, though, ooh. I told you, I told you, I, I wanted to text you, you during the game that. Uh, once they hit him in the red zone, like I said, I'm like, eh, red zone threat. He's not going to be that guy 20 to 20. He's going to be a guy 20 inside. So it's uh, exactly what uh, <laughs> what they'll use him for. He was the forgotten guy. Obviously, on that touchdown, I mean, that was the biggest thing, though. I mean, nobody was on him. They they, they were guarding everybody else out in the pass route. And even, like, Mark Schlereth said that. You know, it was like, you know, it was like uh, he, he, he was wide open. They just kind of let him go. They weren't expecting him. So, uh you know, teams might game plan for that now, but uh, still, I, mean, I I don't think you know if you if you're running, you know, four guys out in the pattern, with the uh, fifth guy being just the outlet, you know, you're running back. I bet you they're going to be more worried about you know Kenny G, Marvin Jones, and Golden Tate before they think about Mike Roberts. So, well, yeah, definitely. Like one of the biggest things I love is that uh, this offense. You know, I feel like for a while the the cool thing in the NFL was to get a pass catching tight end and like think that they're going to totally just, and I was bought in on a little bit too, you know, they're going to take the middle of the field and matchup issues. Like I like how the lions have flipped it on us and now they basically have no real big threats at tight end, but I see these guys blocking. I see kind of just like a really low level consistency out of the tight ends that to me is better than the, the hit or miss or the injury prone tight ends we've had in the past. So I, I love what they're doing at that position. And like, don't fool the people Grifka about you told me you to make, like, who was the guy? Like I give you credit for slay and a few of these other, you know, ones you actually got right. But before the draft, I was calling Mike Roberts. I was calling him in the draft. I've been saying forever that, He's just a he's yeah. a red zone threat. He's got big hands. He's kind of a no, he's kind I mean, of a goofy I'll, I'll player here or there, but he's gonna impact the game because they're gonna make a role for him. And you just piggybacked on that last week where you said the if he comes back, he'll be able to get some touchdowns. Yeah, and I told you he'll podcast. be he'll be he'll be a red zone threat. They won't use him twenty to twenty. They'll use him twenty in. And that's well, uh you're right. Yeah. I just piggybacked on, on your statement. Okay, so yeah, um, but yeah, that's always been one of my guys. I hope he can keep it up. I hope he can stay healthy, and you know, I don't expect huge numbers from the guy, but I I love what I saw, and uh, we might as well just transition right into it. It wasn't, uh, I want to say, I don't have it right in front of me, but wasn't it third quarter Grifka where they hit this guy again for touchdown number two? Yeah, and uh, like you said, big thing. It was just uh, everybody else was out in the route, and they just uh, let him go, and. Uh, it's nice to see. Nice to have a tight end who can actually catch the ball. You know, that's uh, that's always pretty big. I was uh, pretty happy about that. That uh, he wasn't. You know, he he made the touchdown catch. He celebrated a little bit, but then uh, he wasn't acting like he uh, did you know, like the greatest thing in the world, like our former tight end. So, 
<laughs> so with with that being said, some big Mike had two touchdowns. That was awesome to see. Like you say, sort of got lost in the shuffle, maybe. But hey, the ball's thrown to you, and you catch it. Or Stafford, you know, they probably knew that was a matchup. I know I heard him say that they had they had pegged Miami wasn't covering some of those routes well, and they exploited it. So again, that comes down to to coaching and film sessions and all that good stuff. So I love all of that. Let me talk about him. I, we, we can't go any farther in the game without talking about him. Carry on Johnson, Grifka. Again, right out of the get-go, this guy is slicing and dicing with his runs. I want to say that he popped one off the edge early in the game, and then he knocks off that 70-plus yarder again down the sideline. I mean, this guy continues to do it and continues to hit the hole hard. I mean, this is no joke with this guy. Um. You're right. It was. Uh, it's nice to have a running back, like you said. It seems like he explodes, you know, through the hole around the end. That uh, he's not slow. That's the biggest thing. Um, first things first. I want to talk. This this annoyed me the most while watching the game. And I'm a huge fan of Mark Schlereth. I think he calls a good game. But he's the one. He's the color man, and he's just going on and on raving about Kiko Alonso. Now, once again, I think Kiko Alonso's. I think he's okay. I don't think he's great by any stretch of the imagination, but he's just not raving about him. Yeah, he's not that great. And uh, and he's just raving about the greatness of Kiko Alonso. And like, oh, look at all these plays. And it was right. he really started after what he – I think Kiko Alonso made a nice play in the backfield for like a two-yard loss or something like that. But then that one run where Kerryon Johnson had around the edge, and he just pretty much you know, like stiff arms, you know, Kiko Alonso and throws him to the ground. Yeah. And then, you know, then he, he gets like another yard or two before he's pushed out of bounds. And then afterwards, Mark Schler's like talking about like, you know, he's sideline to sideline. You know, he goes over, he stops carry on, then makes the tackle. And I'm like, makes the tackle? I'm thinking to myself, he stiff armed him. To, he just threw him to the ground. I mean, it was like, it's like, he, it's almost like the worst part was when he threw him to the ground, he wasn't moving forward. He had like stopped his momentum and just like pushed him to the ground and then took a, you know, like stepped over him and then, you know, took, you know, got another yard or two and then he was pushed out of bounds. Like, oh, Kiko Alonso made this great tackle. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't know. Uh, let's rewind that play and watch how he got pushed to the ground by the running back. Okay. So there's your, you know, all pro, you know, linebacker doing that. But anyways, it's nice to have a running back to be able to do that. I mean, for the speed that Javid Best had, he could never do that. Reggie Bush was shifty. You know, he never did that. I mean, I know he tried it with, you know, other running backs as well. You know, Theo Riddick's never going to do that. Amir Abdullah's probably going to fumble the ball if he tries to do that. Um, LeGarrette Blount probably could do that, but he's more of like, he doesn't really stiff arm. He'll cover up the ball and put his shoulder down into you is what LeGarrette Blount will do. But it's nice to be able to see a running back to have that sort of power to be able to do that. And it was just, that was that was my that was my favorite run of the game. Just where he pushed Kiko Lazo to the ground. He just like grabbed him by the jersey, just threw him to the ground. And was like, get out of my way! You know, he punched him in the face and he took his candy and he got two more yards before he's pushed out of bounds. <laughs> let, let me get in on this. First of all, you keep saying put him to the ground. I wish I had the Jim Rome sound clip. I don't know if you know this one, but the lady, the nine one one call where she goes, he came after me and put me in the ground. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought when I saw it and every time you said it just now. So that's awesome. But here, here's another one you'll love, Grifka. So I'm watching uh, Good Morning Football this morning. Grifka, why don't we take a two-second pause in the podcast and you can you give 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 your girl Kay Adams a little shout-out. You know, we, we know she's uh, yeah. one of your faves. Oh, yeah. If, if she could be the sideline reporter for the Lions, I would get season tickets. Yeah, that, that's Grifka's Tory Petri. Uh, I still got you ranked higher. Uh, we love you here yeah. in Detroit. But uh, anyway, so I'm watching Good Morning Football, and uh, 
they're showing that on uh, Kyle Brandt's Angry Runs, which is always super hilarious, crazy segment. But he had an awesome take. It was either him or um, Nate, and everybody was chiming in about how, like, when, when Carrion takes this run that you're talking about and, and he gets to Kiko Alonso, he's like, you know what this is? This is when you're playing Madden and the guy starts to tackle you and you start mashing buttons <laughs> trying, to try, trying to get him off you, and then all of a sudden you just put him in the ground. <laughs> I was like, oh, what a perfect – because that's exactly what it looked like. He was kind of messing with him, and then just, bam, he just put him in the dirt. Incredible. So, yeah, one of the one of the better runs I've seen got me off my chair. That was incredible. Yeah, that was uh, – I was – I was that was probably my favorite run by him all the game. I mean, yeah, he had the – he was busting off the long runs. And, by the way, I just want to remember – I just want to remind you, I did predict 100-yard rushing against the Dolphins this year. I mean, I thought it would be his first one. I didn't think he'd do it. You know, thought it would be the first – 100-yard rusher for the Lions. Right. I didn't know he'd do it against Patriots, but uh, I did predict 100 yards, you right. know, against the Dolphins. So, uh, <laughs> you know, he had that. He had that by like what halftime, you know. So, uh, yeah, it, incredible. It was, uh, some of those runs, but a lot of that credit I just have to also give to uh, the offensive line. I mean, they opened up just some massive holes. It's not like he had to bust everything out around the edge or he was squeaking through, like, these half-yard openings. Some of those runs he had, the holes were just massive. And what was it, um, LeGarrette Blunt's touchdown there on the goal line? We saw, you know, earlier in the game they struggled to get in. But that was that one where, I mean, he, he like, went in untouched. I mean, it was it was just a great run, you know, from, like, the three. Yeah. I mean, nobody even touched him. The, was I think your boy Nick Ballore went up, blew out, blew out. I think it was Kiko Alonso, to be honest with you. And yeah. uh, it's a great you know, block. Yeah, great block. Just but, like stepped around and walked in. But don't sell the don't sell the people short because that's the Lions' job to open up holes. And I've seen plenty of Lions running backs have a decent hole and stop their feet, slow down, make a bad cut, not get up in there. Like to me. Carry on Johnson, if they give him a whole small, big, whatever, maybe he gets, he gets through that thing with speed and then he's taking it to the next level. Now I do have one minor issue. Carry on my man. You got to get to the house boy, because that one down the sideline, it's like the second time that you've got caught when it should have been a house call. Now I'm not saying this guy has the blazing speed, which again, I don't want him to. I love his physicality. I love his ability to catch run inside, outside, all that stuff. So I'm not expecting him to, have incredible speed, but some of these, he's way out in front of the crew. I need to see him get to the end zone on a few of these biggies or at least get him a touchdown later. But that was my only gripe. I mean, I thought he came out huge. That made a huge difference in the beginning of the game of just, uh, you know, having that running game, having those big splash plays. I mean, sometimes that's all it takes in the NFL or two or three of those big, you know, field flipping type plays to help you win a game. So I thought some of those are really big. I thought you hit on a lot of good things. So yeah, man, you just got to keep it going. And, and to me, the more volume is you see the more, um, more numbers. So it's pretty well, simple. One, one thing, just to go back to the offensive line, give them a little props. See if you've seen that. I don't know if you've seen the highlight. I've seen it a couple of times because like, uh, I went and actually looked it up when I was listening to local sports talk today. And, uh, Matt Shepard was talking about, it. he goes, he goes, Everybody just watches, you know, Matt Stafford hand the ball off, and then you're watching the running back. You're not watching the offensive line. He goes, go check out this play. And he talked about the play where Frank Ragnow, like, drove the defensive tackle 10 yards downfield and pancake blocked him. Go watch that. Go watch that play if you haven't seen it. And just watch Frank Ragnow just – he just he just pushes him, man. It's, it's like almost like out of a movie where you'd see it in a movie, you know, where you always see, like, the hapless defender and the big offensive lineman just pushes him and then just, like, boom, just throws him to the ground. And go watch that play. I can't remember exactly what happened, but he's like, 
I, after you after mentioned it, I went and I looked it up. And actually, I've seen it online a couple different things, you know, um, put out there by a couple different sites. And, uh-huh. yeah, like Frank Ragnow just blows this guy back 10 yards and just, like, then pancakes him. And so it's just a great block. Yeah, man, he's uh he's been really picking up his game. So so we're going to we want to talk about a, a couple plays or a couple things within the game, just kind of break it down a little bit. But before we get there, let's just, uh, you know, Ragnow again, good to bring up his name, played well. Um, you brought up your boy Nick Ballore, and I've always hated on him, but man, he had a great block in the hole there to get us a touchdown. But let's give him some general numbers, Griff, because so we had 457 yards, 209 through the year, 248 on the ground, which you just gotta love that number across the board. And every time I know I've been always talking up Carrion on this show, but um, Garrett Blunt, every time he sort of like was going up into the middle, and I was like, oh, it's gonna be one of those one two yard rushes he kind of make a little move or, or get through and then next thing you know he's getting 10 12 i was like i kept yelling out sweet feet sweet feet because <laughs> this guy like i don't know what it is he looks like he's gonna just plot his way through the line and all of a sudden he just gets the sweet feet and makes a little move and he's up he's up the field moving chains so i i loved what i saw from him too uh, but man 248 between carry on and lg and the run game was sweet um Stafford was the highest uh, graded quarterback. I mean, this guy's putting up incredible QBR uh, ratings. I got him at a, a 93.6. The uh, uh, I want to say, I think I got that number from Pro Football Focus. And then Jared Davis, man, 91. Highest middle linebacker for week seven. I mean, you got to love that because I remember we talked about him on the show when he was down in the 30s. So um, he's he's really showing that speed and playing all over the football field. So any other numbers or any general things before we talk about a couple of these key moments, Grifka? And just uh, like you said, uh, Jared Davis, I, I believe his game has really improved the last couple of weeks. I hope it's not just a, uh, a fluke and he continues to uh, to rise that way. I think he's going to. Um, he seems to be playing a little faster, seems to be reading those pass routes a little better. So maybe it's just one of those things that's, you know, into a second year now. Oh, he's getting more of a speed of the game. Um, so that that was nice to see on that. And then, like you said, um, I think having a run game is big for Matt Stafford. It just allows him not where the whole, uh, the whole game's on his shoulders where he has to force passes. And, you know, the team's playing, like, so far, far from behind. You know, that San Francisco game was probably – probably that way but let's just call the Jets game a uh, a fluke because he hasn't played he hasn't played like that since so uh he's um having the run game has been a definite help for Matt Stafford as well big help man we've said it forever I mean uh, they got to keep it going but uh, a balanced game and, and we also have a balanced team it's not just now he's got the balance in the run game. Like we finally have enough skill guys that are all good at all different positions that not only can you spread it out, but I mean, you can run and pass and then go play action. It makes a huge difference. So Grifco, we've been real positive on this show. We want to keep that going. I'm trying to get you there here slowly week by week of your positivity and not hating on every little thing. Um, we missed it off the top of the show, Grifco, but before we get, I got to jump back. Because uh, we also had another football game this weekend that we need to talk about for a second. What about those Michigan Wolverines getting a big victory? I know you were hemming and hawing about all this different stuff. Did I call that too about them going in just beating their beating their tail? And you wanted to talk about everything under the sun and get all worried about it? I mean, come on now. I was worried about that game, especially when they turned the ball over on like their ten yard line, and then Michigan State had to do when they're panting at trick plays because they can't score on regular plays. 
They have to use their trick plays to uh, to yeah. score. So, uh, yeah, I was worried when it was 7-7, raining. I mean, uh, and then uh, Shea Patterson threw a beautiful uh, pass down the sideline that uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones took to the house. So, uh, still, I mean, that was, that was a good game. I mean, uh, it was a good game. Real, real, uh, real happy, though, I'm holding them under 100 yards offense. That's tough to do. So the main reason I brought it up is one I want to kind of jab our Sparty listeners out there and just get some yak in because we've uh, we've missed it for a few years. But I got to get a little trash talk and, and enjoy the victory. But the other reason I bring it up, Griff Goods, uh, I have a buddy, and in this situation, I don't think all the time, but in this situation, he's just like you. I'm sitting there watching the Michigan game. I start getting texts. Oh, Shea Patterson's terrible. Oh, he, he takes too long. He's just holding the ball too long. He's terrible. Bring in McCaffrey. And right now, it's like we've been winning the game 7-0. This is before the tie. And then he's just hating on the team. And I'm thinking, man, like these are the only messages I get are all this negativity or, oh, I'm worried about D'Antonio. I'm this and that. Like, I feel like we were unstoppable on defense. I feel like Shea Patterson's the leader of this team. And here all I'm getting is negative. So it kept coming in and coming in. So finally, I did what I have to do to you sometimes. I muted the thing because I didn't want to see any more of these messages. What do you know? Next thing, Shea Patterson up over the top, touchdown. You think I got a text about that good play? No. Then uh, we start grinding them in the run game. No text. Uh, no nothing. And then at the end of the game, we win. And I'm just like, what do you guys say now? And it's like still nitpicking the team. So I'm just trying to tell that friend, you, all these people out there, like, we got to get some of this, like, it's so much easier for people to talk about all this negative when something goes wrong. Like, we got to enjoy the wins, enjoy the good times. So that's why I'm going towards a positivity today. We're not talk- nitpicking this game totally. We do have a few things here we'll probably bring up, which are just things we want to do better. But, like, we got to get you there and other folks there of, like, that was a good Michigan win on the road against a tough rival team. Got to enjoy it. Can't worry about everything. You're never going to play a perfect football game. And I want that known here on the podcast, too, is like we're going to talk about a lot of stuff, but we can't always think the Lions are going to play a perfect game. And when they win, and when they win on the road, and when they win against Miami and other teams who have injuries or aren't that good, hey, I love it. So I just want to get that in, too, before we get too much farther. So I'm working on you, Grifka, every week to get you there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure I'll get the text, the first bad thing that happens in the next game from me. But uh, so a couple key things in the game that I noticed to kind of just scribble down a few things like, man, they called a, a penalty again on Nevin Lawson in the second quarter. They called it hands to the face. And like, I don't know how many times we've only played six football games, Griffin. I feel like this is the fourth or fifth call that either took a first down or a touchdown or something big off the board. And then they go back to the replay and they show it. I mean, it's a total phantom. Like, I remember they showed Nevin Lawson. Like, there wasn't even anybody in the picture. He, like, didn't even put his hands on the guy at all. Like, I I just can't get these calls. They're they're real frustrating when they're taking points off the board or just kind of impacting the game. I was, I was furious about another bad call. Yeah, that was one of those things when they showed the replay. Even the announcers were kind of stymied by it. It's like, oh, well, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, it's right, it's right there, and you're just kind of like looking, saying, okay. I mean, I've seen a lot worse get away with it, but uh, I don't know why, you know, what happened there on that. That Nevin Lawson one, it just kind of continued to allow a drive, you know, go, and then they ultimately scored, and, uh, <laughs> and that was one of those things. Like, yeah, okay. I mean. Uh, uh, you know, 
we always like me and my buddies always have a conspiracy. It's like just the NFL keeping the game close to keep people interested. You got so, con- uh, you got conspiracies, Kefka? Who knew? Where where's my uh, where's my bell? Which folks out there I do have on order and we'll probably have here next week. So the Grifka Bell is gonna make it, its appearance, hopefully next week. Um so I can't wait for that. So man, who knew you had conspiracies? Bing. Yeah. Yeah, who <laughs> uh, knew? Yeah, who who knew who knew the NFL was an entertainment business and not just straight up? Okay. <laughs> so so I went on my big positivity rant and then I just you know, we talk about this terrible call by the refs. But I gotta call out somebody on the lines real quick because this was one of those plays. Grifka made a great comment about watch go back and watch Frank Ragnow, go back and watch the Belor block on the goal line. You know, those are good ones to go see if you if you missed it or you wanna see it again. But in the second quarter, Griffith, there's like five minutes left. I wrote this on my sheet. They ran a beautiful screen, kind of a delayed screen pass out to carry on. This thing is set up nice. Matt Stafford waited as long as he could, got the ball out to carry on and made a nice catch. He's about to get up the field. Go back and watch this Graham Glasgow. It reminded me of the days of Dominic rollover, like – he was running. He's out there. There's nobody on him. All he's got to do is cremate a corner. I believe it was a corner. Maybe safety, whoever it was. And this this dude just, like, randomly sort of falls at the feet. It looked like a totally, not only terrible effort, terrible technique, terrible decision to go way low rather than just plow this guy into the fifth row. And carry on probably scores if he does. He just kind of randomly falls at his feet, totally misses him, and blows up the whole play. Like, I was so frustrated by that because not only did I have carry on playing in one of my big fantasy leagues and I love the touchdown, but it's just lackluster. You go back and watch it. I don't know. I mean, maybe he tripped or something, but it was it was just garbage. So, Graham Glasgow, that was one of my big negatives. I just wrote on the paper. It was just like, wow, I, I'd never seen that from the guy, but it was rough. Well, you know, maybe he's a little slower because it was 120 degrees on the field. You know, he wasn't as fresh if he was playing in 70 degree weather. But it's not like he wasn't there. It's like sometimes you see these guys get out late. He wasn't late. He was right there. The guy was right in front of him. All he had to do was uh, get his hands on him, and it's game over. And he just – I don't know what he was doing. So that, that, was, that was tough. And then, again, since I've kind of complained about the refs, I might as well get this in. Hands to the face on uh, our boy Ragnow when Kenny – Kenny Jizzle goes up and just snatches that football out of the air for another touchdown. I mean, that was an incredible catch. I thought the ball was like airmailed. And here goes our 6-4 uh, up-and-coming wideout that just snakes this thing out of the air, and then we get the old yellow flag. And then we go back and watch it, and again, it's a terrible call. He might have just barely brushed him if that. Like, oh, my goodness. I was furious about that, too. Yeah, that was uh, another hands in the face that uh, announcers were like, yeah, that was pretty ticky-tack. It's just like, yeah, it was ticky-tack. And, you know, I know plenty of people like, well, it's still a penalty. You know, it's like, you know, getting a speeding ticket for going 56 and a 55. It's just like, well, you were speeding. So it's exactly, like, yeah, man. Okay. Or, but this is like, you know, again, I wouldn't be even bringing it up if it wasn't taking points off the board. Or to me, and it's taking explosive great plays off the board. Like, I know you can't wait till the play is over to decide if you want to – call everything but you call it a knickknack and then this guy makes a uh, what would be on his highlight reel and instead it's nothing like i don't know just these refs i mean we don't we don't pay to see the refs so you call you could call holding on every play you could call some of these little knickknack uh pass interference or um, you know holding downfield by corners i mean let these guys play a little bit come on so um 
you know, other than that, like you say, I, I just wanted to, I think we hit on a lot of positives. I mean, I, I loved the big field goal by Prater. I felt like he had missed a couple, which were uncharacteristic of him. Hitting that big 50-yarder, I mean, that thing split the uprights. It looked beautiful from the get-go, and and that was uh, that was big. And uh, I just thought from top to bottom, I thought they played well. I was never worried about them losing this game. I didn't feel, as I said earlier, that the heat came into play. Um, basically, exactly how I saw it going in my head is how it went. We came out early. We ran the football great. Stafford played great. Um, this defense stood up well you know Osweiler even got a few more plays or a few more points than I would have liked but um, to me the game's never in doubt big win yeah that was a uh, pretty big I mean uh, like you said you called it and uh, it was nice to go on the road it's like everybody says it's always tough to win on the road in the NFL no matter who you play and uh, actually like you said go like I was talking you go down to the heat of Miami Big props to the guys holding up the tarps, keeping them cool as much as they could. And uh, the team just stuck with it and went to, went down to Miami and just kind of, uh, you know, drove them into the ground and uh, won the game. Yeah. And, th- and this is a point, too, Griffin, where you just have to, as we do this show and as we keep looking at football, like, yes, I think a lot of NFL games are always going to be within that seven point or less, you know, but there are times when you're just better than the other team and when you're going to win by more, so... That's why I was so glad to see a, a bigger point differential, too, just to show you that it's easy for us to come on here every week and say, oh, it'll probably be a three-point game. Oh, it might be a six, seven-point game. Like, that's the easy way. Sometimes you do have to call out a, a beatdown and a big win. And, uh, like, to me, if they don't get some of those late yards and late scores, I mean, it's a it's a bigger game. So, you know, we can't have everything super tight. I mean, it's, it's when it's warranted, you know, no problem. But we're going to get – blowout teams and we're going to get blown out every season a couple times it's pretty much guaranteed to happen so um you know most games are close but not all games so just keep that in mind when we're doing our predictions and when you see a bad team and you see us having some mojo like this is what happens so um great win by the lions three and three um heading home to play a seattle team which we'll talk about on the show friday and uh real excited i mean this is another one of those turn games coming up where you okay you got back to even feels like okay we're starting the season over three and three and uh, what are you gonna do about it now so lots of big games coming up we'll get all that to friday and, and get more on that so uh anything else to say about the game griff before we move on are you good no i'm good all right perfect man big big dub so what i want to do today everybody is uh you know we always enjoy having griff on the show and you know kind of have fun back and forth joking around but uh i just wrote a few questions today to kind of pick them Pick the brain of Grifka, who's a lifelong Lions fan. Um, he's seen it all. He's been through it all, as he's told you, all those sob stories, which I always make fun of him about. But we just want to hit him with a few questions and kind of just get his take on a couple things and uh, and whatnot in regards to the Lions. So you, you ready for this, Grifka? Are you going to be able to tell us some of your uh, your trials and tribulations and great moments? These are these are pretty positive questions, as I, as I said. I want to be positive yeah. on the show. Are you ready? Yeah, as long as they're positive questions where I don't have to remember the low lights of this franchise. <laughs> yeah, I think I took those out because I knew if I said, like, Lions, uh, if I left you too much leeway, you'd tell me about all the uh, things that we all want to not remember. So my first one, though, is your what's your best Lions moment, Grifka, or moments? Like, what are some awesome times you've had as a Lions fan over all these years? Um, besides the one playoff victory I, you know, witnessed when they beat up on the Cowboys, 
Oh gosh, best part. I still remember where I was when I was watching that game. Remember exactly what I was doing. Were were you at the game or you watched it somewhere? No, I was actually at my grandma's house. We, uh, my family went to my grandma's house, so we were over there that that day watching it. Actually, like me and my brother were watching it, and like everybody else was like talking with my grandparents. So, yes, but I remember that watching that. uh, Another game was the where the Bear Sanders broke the two thousand yards against the Jets, even though that was over. You know, kind of the. shadow of that game was a uh, Reggie Brown being injured and then almost dying on the field. But uh just remember that game he was struggling against the Jets and then he just broke off that long run in the second half that put him over over the two thousand yard mark, you know, finished uh finished that year. I mean with uh over two thousand yards. I mean that that was huge to remember. Um gosh was it uh even though I can't stand him the year like they won was a they won like seven in a row to make the playoffs. That was an amazing run right there. They were just putting up yards. Your your favorite quarterback of all time, Scott Mitchell, had over 4,000 yards passing. I mean, he had better rated numbers than, like, Dan Marino and stuff like that. And he just, you know, Scott Mitchell had, you know, his career year there. And, you know, they, you know, Wayne Fonts, the big buck, you know. I just remember the Detroit Free Press, the pitcher was always him with, like, you know, like a deer, like deer antlers, because they always called him the big buck, because he was always being, being hunted to get fired every year. I remember all that. You know, as a kid, I remember watching the game where uh, Billy Sims karate kicked the guy from the Houston Oilers. That was pretty cool. Um, oh, gosh. Not too many highlights from the 80s, I remember, <laughs> to be honest with you. But, yeah, those are probably the big ones right there. Good stuff, good stuff. Grifka, what's the best Lions game you've ever attended in person? The best one I ever attended? I mean, does it have to be a win? Um, let's see. Uh, the best one I ever attended, was it back at the Silverdome? I can't remember what year. I was uh, watching the, watching the uh, Lions-Browns game, actually. And uh, my buddy was up from Cleveland, who's a big Browns fan. And we were watching the game, and... Uh, we our seats were in the end zone, and it showed one. It was on Barry Sanders had he ripped off like a like a fifty five yard, sixty yard touchdown, and it was like you know how our seats now are in the end zone, so you can just like see the holes open up and you can see the play develop, and that's exactly what it was. It was probably like it was one of the times where Barry Sanders didn't have to make moves in the backfield. It was um just it was between the tackle and the guard, and the hole opened up, and you could have drove a Mack truck through that thing, and he just he took one quick step, jab step, boom, and he was through the hole and. I don't know where the linebackers were, but he ran by them and he outran the pursuit angle and he just he went off for like a 60-yard touchdown. And my buddy, the Browns fan, he just looked at me and he goes, "We can't win this today." <laughs> That's all he said. And that was just, and that was just a great game. I mean, it was just the Lions beat the crap out of the Browns, and it was just a really great game. Nice, very cool. Uh, for those out there listening, so for the last uh, how many years have we been doing it, Griff? I mean, you probably like at least last. Uh, Probably going on six, seven years now, huh? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, six, seven years. I've had season tickets for um, a bit longer than that, but for the last uh, six, seven years, me and Grifka every year, opening opening game, we're there tailgating and enjoying. So it's always been fun. It's always been cool to have you be consistent with that and kind of us go down and just enjoy a day outside tailgating and some football. So uh, those have been uh, great games uh, every week. But, yeah, there's nothing like uh, – a good old Silverdome game back in your heyday, no doubt about it. Grifka, yeah. have you ever taken a road trip for a Lions game? You ever went on the road and supported this team? Were you too cheap? I, 
not too cheap, man. I mean, <laughs> I'd love to. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, I mean, but, you know, you have other obligations. I, I don't have, I don't have, uh, you know, indispensable income like that where I can just, uh, you know, I want to go to the Cowboys game this year with Chuck, but he was like, no, I can't because of money. I'm just like, okay, man. So I just watched it at his house, but no, I mean, I would, uh, I would like to. I mean, I guess it would want to be the right one, you know, maybe in a couple of years or whenever, whenever they go to uh, Las Vegas, you know, to go play the Raiders whenever they move there. That would be a, that'd probably be a pretty tough ticket. But, I mean, once again, one of the dream ones would probably be like me and you always kind of chat about it, you know, whenever they play in London. Going over to London to see a game, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, man, I, I know this is your segment, but, like, uh, let's do it, man. Let's set up a roadie, but I, I'm more for wanting to go to one of the NFC North. Uh, I want to go to Lambeau or whatever in the dead of winter and just do it up crazy with all those people and uh, just enjoy out in the snow or kind of have that whole experience. So that'd be my choice if we do a roadie. But I've done a couple road trips for the Lions, which have been fun. But, yeah, I mean, you need to do that up, so. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> Grifka, the best draft pick that you liked from the start this team took. So, like, a guy that you, as a draft lit up, me and you have only talked draft the last uh, handful or more of years. I didn't know back in the uh, early, mid-90s, 2000s, who you were thinking or where you were at with the draft. But I want a guy that, like, throughout the process you liked, you hoped the Lions would take. They took him, and they actually ended up being pretty good. I know that's kind of slim pickings, but... <laughs> I mean, are, are we actually talking, like, can we just, like, negate Barry Sanders out of there? Because I think every Lions fan loved the Barry Sanders pick. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, so we'll, we'll take, deeper than that. We'll take the Barry Sanders pick. Um, well, I guess when I was younger, let's just go younger, before I was really tracking the draft stuff, I really I really love the Chris Spielman pick. I mean, I know he went to Ohio State, and um, but it's one of those things, I mean, I still watch, you still saw enough Ohio State games where I just thought he was really good. You know, it's like, you know, you can realize talent and, you know, and it was just one of those things. I mean, when, so when they, when they got Chris Spielman, I, w- I was very, very happy about that. I really liked the pick, even though I was a little younger, um, you know, you're younger than when they got Barry Sanders, but still, I really liked that pick. I mean, guys that I really liked, I mean, that actually hit, um, geez, and who, you know, trying to think of who, I mean, I, I liked the Calvin Johnson pick. Yeah, I know a lot of people bash that because, like, oh, gosh, another wide receiver, but I really like that pick. And um, I know you don't like him because he won't sign your football, but um, <laughs> and you're glad he's gone. He quit but, on um, us, and, and, yeah. he's, and he's broken but down I guess, and old and overpaid. Right, but. and the biggest, the biggest, and I really like the the, the Dominic and Sue pick. You know, uh, I was I was really happy about that pick. He, I realized they were both you know top five picks, but the one guy, the one guy I thought that would really pan out and really do something when you really started following the draft. Who I really liked. I mean, I really liked Brian Westbrook out of Texas. And oh my gosh, he ended up being like, he was finally starting to come into his own. And then he blew out his Achilles against Minnesota. And he was never the same after that. But I mean, that year he blew out his, he was having a decent year. I mean, he really was. And then he, you know, it was just one of those freak things, you know, you always see like where the guy steps back and he blows his Achilles. That's all he did. And, uh, he always hurt, but I just remember his first few years. Oh gosh, he was he was worse than Nevin Lawson, and I'm like, oh gosh. And then you know, but you know, I, I was I was still in that Derek Oakry phase where like, give the guy a chance, man, give him a few years before you call him that he sucks. You know, and I was still there with him, but that that was that guy. That was Bryant Westbrook. I you know, because the Lions really needed a DB, and they got you know Sean Springs was in that draft too, and like 
He wasn't going to – Sean Springs wasn't going to fall to him. So they're like, yeah, well, we'll get Brian Westbrook. We'll get Brian Westbrook. And I was so happy when they got him. And then he turned out – that guy couldn't cover a coffee table. And, <laughs> gosh, and then, then he was finally having a decent year, and he blew out his Achilles against Minnesota. Yeah. I, uh, you know, the draft has become my favorite thing, and I think it's so fun to sort of – you know, give opinions on these players. You know, it doesn't matter how much you've seen in college or otherwise. Like, you really have no idea how they'll do when they get to the next level. So it's always super fun to go out on a limb and call out a guy or, you know, have a guy and then see him get picked by your team and see if he does well or not. But it's so hard to predict. I mean, I've had so many hits and misses, like, along the way. But, um, you know, Lions are really starting to hit on better players. But I just thought that would be fun. And like you say, um, we could go down the litany of ones we thought would be good and turned out to be bums, but uh, some some good names there you threw out. So we got we got to shut this show down, Griffka. We got one more for you, your favorite okay. Lions player of all time, and and you can talk uh, your loving uh, words for Barry if you'd like. But we, you know, how about another person too that just is like one of Griffka's yeah, I mean, all time faves? Right. I mean, uh, yeah, I was gonna say you know, except Barry Sanders because everybody knows Barry, you know Barry Sanders, but. Uh, I mean, I'll go with a couple guys that I really, really liked. And um, once again, Chris Spielman. I was I, I really like Chris Spielman. And um, even from my younger days, a guy I really liked. And I know he wasn't a, a pro bowler or Hall of Famer. I just thought he was. He worked really hard. And he, I, th- I thought he did some good stuff for the team. Um, was it um, – gosh, no, I can't remember his freaking name. He just escaped me because I was thinking of Chris Spielman. Ugh! just drives me nuts, man. I can't remember his freaking name. The defensive tackle out of pit. Somebody's going to be listening going, that's who you're talking about. I can't remember his name all of a sudden. Oh, gosh. Before my day, I believe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it was. Um, Yeah, I I know it was. But probably in more recent years, guys that that I've liked. um, Gosh, I'm trying to think. Who, really? I mean, I mean... I really liked Ray Crockett when he was on the team. I don't know if you remember Ray Crockett. He was on, he was a cornerback. Um, I, th- um, I thought Kevin Glover. You watched him play. He was a center. I mean, he was really good, very solid. I mean, I really liked him. Um, but uh, I mean, probably those guys right there from the younger days. I mean, recently. I mean, I mean, it's the same. I mean, you know, I like Darius Slay and. You know, so I, you know, I really like him, and you know, I'd have to go back to Calvin and Dominic and Sue stuff like that. Yeah. Well, good stuff, man. Like I say, we've had a we had a fun show today, uh, exciting trade to talk about, a, a great win, a road win, a, a win that the Lions had where you felt like from start to finish that they were gonna uh, have that game in the bag, and putting up another victory in the NFL is always uh, important and hard to get. So that was fun to talk about, and then just getting some of your moments memories just kind of uh, a true lions fan and everybody on the show like i said we have a lot of fun we rag on each other a little bit but um grifka you know is a you know a true lions fan through and through no matter what i say about him or, or <laughs> what we say about each other but uh you know he's always loved this team always hung in there with them so it's kind of cool to hear a couple things from you there just for our question segment today so with that being said grifka i think we need to get out of here shut this show down we're coming back with our Friday morning podcast that will drop early in the morning, talking Seahawks, and that's going to be super fun. i got lots of takes, lots of important things to say about that game. Um, can't wait to uh, to get to that. So everybody out there, keep listening, keep hitting that subscribe button, keep sharing with friends, keep drinking that Kool-Aid, 
Isn't that right, Grifka? Yes. Kool-Aid and cornbread. <laughs> Drink it in. Eat that cornbread. And we'll be back on Friday for another show on the Detroit Kool-Aid podcast. We're out. Pack the bag, start the plane. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions. Drink it in, man.